0: All right. Hi and welcome to today's episode of Dr. Simone's Mindspace. I'm super excited to be back on stage with my colleague and former mentor or still mentor, I would say, from New York, Dr. Fritz Galette. He Hello. works in downtown New York in his private practice and is also a professor at Fordham University and NYU. And um, yeah, today we're gonna talk about something that I think all of us can relate to. It's this risk analysis and judgment and decision-making when it comes to more or less every every single step we do in our life since a year back when when the pandemic sort of really hit the Western societies and um, We will both share of our personal, but also of our clinical perspective and a bit broader in terms of societies. And sort of also maybe compare a little bit US versus Europe and and Asia as as we work in in all these different parts of the world and see patients from different parts of the world. So welcome, thank you so much for being here on Daylight Saving Sunday.
1: Uh, yes, I lost a, an hour of sleep last night, um, but I'll get it back somewhere.
0: <laughs> That's so, to
1: <laughs> so, you know, yesterday um, and, and this past week for us here in the U.S. marked a year, a year anniversary, depending on what day of the week it was, um, in some areas of the country, it was a, a Thursday or a Friday or Saturday, but it marks pretty much a year where our lives changed as the World Health Organization declared um, COVID-19 a a, a world pandemic. And then here in the U.S., the governmental agencies systematically shut down things and declared things an emergency. And and so began our year of Uh, quarantine our year of separation from our lives as we knew it and in the beginning um, even the I believe it was the world health or the certain organizations were saying this may take six weeks or eight weeks Um, we would have never most of us would have never accepted especially that we would still be in it
0: Right, And uh, right. you and I were
1: talking a little while back and I was talking about as the vaccine gets rolled out and as cross our fingers, things start to improve. Um, we're going to see a, a lot of adjustment a needing a need for adjustment um, a lot of, you know, many instances I would say are we're going to be more cautious. Many of us are going to be more cautious and more worried about getting sick um, long after even the danger is gone. Um mm-hmm. So a yeah. lot, lot to, lot to consider. I can
0: lot to consider, right? And I think, I think sort of go, as it is, um, to me the, the pandemic already started in January since, since I was in Hong Kong and, um, Tokyo during that time. So we have been experiencing the pandemic much earlier and returned back to Europe and thought like, why is nobody taking this serious? Why is nobody wearing masks? Why is nobody using hand sanitizer? And I was actually supposed to fly to New York during the very week when, when the US closed the borders. And I remember it being such a weird feeling that borders that were used to be open and you could fly back and forth. Yeah, you had to have a ESTA visa maybe, but nothing else. We're all for a sudden closed and you were not welcomed anymore. That was such an odd feeling.
1: Wow. so a-
0: Impacted me personally, I was supposed to fly. I had my ticket. Right. And then it was like, no, you cannot go on this plane because you're not welcome. And it was so bizarre.
1: And I know you, you you travel frequency, so you, quite, you had very different um, experience for me, just as an American whose passport is um, normally accepted everywhere. Just knowing that borders are closed, even to me, even if I wasn't traveling, was a, a thought adjustment. And mm-hmm. I mean, then over the year, we got to the point where even traveling within our cities, has become restricted at different times to varying degrees. Um, And freedoms that we are so used to having, you had a ticket, you're about to get on a plane, we were probably going to meet up when you came to the the city um, and have that come to a halt is a major alteration in our conceptualization of our world. Um, But that's interesting is that... um, for, for, for me in New York, the concept of things shutting down, That for me, it started in March. And it's interesting to hear you say that it started in January. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was like,
0: wow. Yeah, yeah. No, it was like absolutely um, useful to, to learn how to navigate the pandemic being in Asia during that time. And um, also sort of now understanding why or already from the start understanding why it was, easy, it was sort of better na- handled in Asia than in Europe because of the sheer amount of how people were collaborating, you know, everyone would wear a mask from day one, we were in Hong Kong and, mm-hmm. and um, hand sanitizer everywhere. And you could really see tell that people had a routine of understanding what they were supposed to do. And then can coming say, back to Europe and it's just been like as if nothing.
1: You know, can now can you tell me a little bit about what, um, why were they so prepared or what, what, what was it about Hong Kong that had them so prepared to kind of take this seriously versus Europe?
0: So um, actually, and it was one of the reasons why I launched this study and and while I was in Hong Kong is the fact that they were hit really hard with SARS. We actually coincidentally passed by the SARS Memorial and you could so tell that people, like there were young doctors, young helpers, volunteers that died from SARS, like 30 year old people, right? Even including medical health professional um so so they knew that was almost like a ptsd in the society of like Mm -hmm. hyper alert so of course there was an experience from previous pandemic epidemics but it's also the the difference i think when it comes to the sort of culture of of being putting your own needs behind the common good right so you you work as a as a society towards a common goal and it was very interesting that um, when we were there the the majority of the expats white people and tourists were not wearing masks as if the pandemic would only hit Asian people it was so obvious and I've talked to the Swiss foreign correspondent who, who happened to be in Hong Kong l- longer than me, and he told me that actually, Hong Kong people put up um, posters saying, "Like, why are you expat white people not wearing masks? You have the money to buy them." It's so so that was actually becoming a thing.
1: So there were real differences while um, Hong Kong. Um, had experience procedurally handling um, dangerous outbreaks, there still was a difference between um, the, the people in terms of you know who were wearing the mask, who weren't wearing the mask. Um, and we've seen, surely we've seen a lot of that here in the United States um, where there are groups or large swaths of people who truly believe that they are above or beyond wearing masks Mm -hmm. and then you have other people who are begging them screaming at them asking them politely to put the mask on and sometimes Mm -hmm. it actually spurs violent reactions amongst the the groups when that happens yeah did uh, when so you mentioned they put up posters and then there was some somewhat of a campaign to pressure them what was what was the sentiment in hong kong was it one of rebelliousness or disbelief or this won't touch me it'll touch you
0: I think it was uh, this this arrogant attitude of Western expats that that I experienced when I lived in Shanghai too. This sort of feeling of we are superior to to you because we're like these col- colonialist this colonialist attitude, right? Sort of this sense of 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 superiority.
1: Mm. You know, the, the when you hear you say colonialism and superior, superiority here in America, we've been talking a lot about racism, mm-hmm. and the, this has been also a year of of social movement of um, protests against long standing um, systemic inequities and lack of inclusiveness at the highest levels of corporations and government, um, but the the, what it looks like and feels like in another country I'm curious to find out whether some of the same elements are there maybe it's called something different superiority mm-hmm. colonial colonialism um, case speak more to that
0: yeah I, I mean that that definitely and then we have in Hong Kong also the whole issue related to to mainland china right now of course uh, in the past two years a lot with the demonstrations and um new laws put in place so um it's it's um it's an especially vulnerable young generation there with them um, very difficult prospect to for the future sort of uh, their future is not very bright right and i think that's something we we we, we talked about before we started a podcast to do to discuss also this future of ours, like what is the future going to look like, um, post or, or still interim pandemic, right? Um, yeah. Sort of this outlook um, when everything is still not so uncertain and and um, yeah,
1: yeah, I I I see that I get I, so I was curious about the experience for you because. Um, in some extent since the pandemic started earlier for you and started earlier for other parts of the world, um, I'm looking at the future and wondering, um, If I'm talking to someone who hopefully is in a society and in a part of the world that's a little bit more ahead of it, what the future looks like. I know for us, um, it's been very difficult to conceptualize a future mm. Where you can't plan your vacation, you can't plan your movements long into the future because it all depends on whether the world is open, whether the government's open. Um, We've experienced everything here from travel restriction, like you have, to the price and the cost of doing things skyrocketing, the availability of products um, Mm. limited. Um, the speed at which things get done, whether it's government or not government, but it's been affected in ways we could have never conceptualized. Mm-hmm. And we're still in it over a year into it. Um, and for our clients, for my clients, a lot of them are feeling that that unknown, Mm. Um, the dream of a summer that is normal is the most beautiful thing to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I know, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sad to tell you, but like in Europe, it it's far, be, uh, far away from normal where the US has vaccinated way more people than here. So my husband who is working at the fourth front he was vaccinated first shot last first jab last week and and it's really it's a handful of people that I know that have been vaccinated for until now and that goes both for Switzerland who's not part of the European Union and the European Union so it's Italy is going into complete lockdown over over Easter and it's it's um all the cases are rising within europe so it's really it's it's uh it's not going down it's not huh no so it's kind of wow. this never-ending thing and you know within europe where you used to be able to travel we were supposed we were planning to travel to rome in the end of of May because we wanted to do something um, to to sort of yeah um, get a little get away right and um, now again because of the, the the numbers going up and we don't know what kind of restrictions they will have in place in in the end of May you you start to to wonder again and traveling to Switzerland from Sweden where, where, which is what, what we've been doing back and forth is also become very complicated because Switzerland has Sweden on the quarantine list. And then that, that is another layer of, of, of difficulty. So it, it, and that, that is also something goes back and forth. So it's, it's very, and so many variables that are unpredictable that you start to sort of not wanting to do anything you become sort of lethargic and paralyzed in in this state of not not doing anything and just going about your your daily routine you've been doing for a year but i i I find there is a we've reached a point where that is not sustainable for much longer because we need some some break of of that routine too and the change of of environment and but but that's something I really wanted to talk to you about is when the cost becomes so high for that preparation not necessarily monetarily but in the sense of like risk analysis and cost benefit and and you just overwhelm before you even consider going on vacation because it's been so draining and it's been so many changes made to that trip that in the end, you're
1: like, well, I might as well just stay home. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> a vacation is supposed to be a, 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 a bit of an escape, a, a relaxation from, a respite from the stresses of normal life. And now to do it, we have to be planning out our everything in our travel. And so if we, even if we go beyond just the costs, um, pondering the risks, the real dangers um dealing with our own fears the fears of others dealing with the regulations and the rules and many times people are knowingly breaking rules and then right. having experienced the anxiety of doing that mm-hmm. exactly um, it, it, that surely doesn't sound like vacation anymore like no. relax. it's like wow what an ordeal yeah
0: yeah Absolutely, and I think the vacation is almost the extremes example. We, I think it, it's almost happening every day in your life when you're sort of, should I go out now and should I go to the grocery store and do this and that and or should I not? Like it's, it's all these, or should I go to a restaurant even if it's outdoors or should I not do that? And yeah. And,
1: and, and then the feelings you have when you're doing so. Mm-hmm. And the judgment that you may cast upon yourself or others may cast upon you if you're doing so. Right. Um, I was talking to someone who's felt really aggrieved against when they saw social media postings of themselves, of other people breaking the rules.
0: hmm right.
1: And, and the feeling that some people were flaunting their privilege, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or just flaunting their uh, lack of care um, mm-hmm. uh, of the rules, it, it's it's it set us up for a real compli- complicated um, future here. Right. Where
0: right. And this is exactly what I wanted to talk to you about because I'm I'm, I'm experiencing it from from my own patients, but also myself, sort of how, how far do you sort of become a slave of all these rules and how much do you actually break the rules because they, they don't seem to make sense in your family situation, for example, Very early on in the pandemic, my family broke the rule completely about visiting my grandma. My grandma is 97 years old. And I was very, very cautious in the beginning, because I was like, hey, I mean, this is like, this is serious. If she gets the virus, she she's gonna die. That's just how it is, because she's, she's not gonna make that right and the rest of my family was way more relaxed and in Switzerland there was a rule about only um you're not allowed to cross uh, generations no generation mix and my family mixed all the generations great-grandchild with grandma and family members in and out and it was like to me it was really really hard because I well, I knew more than the rest of the family about the pandemic, both because I was in Asia and my husband working in the forefront in the hospital in complete PPE every day. And, and that was really hard, but I think it's, it's that experience that has been continuing throughout the entire pandemic, this sort of, should I do, should I see her? In the end, I decided like, hey, actually, I think in our very personal, super privileged situation where she stays, she lives at home, it's maybe it's been okay to visit her and it's better for us to visit her than having her be all by herself. Like, what's the point when she's 97 years old, right? But then you have that sort of all these laws and rules that tell you something else. And how do you really make sense of it? And, and I think that's something really, really difficult. And it's not gonna go away tomorrow because a lot of these rules will remain in place for a while.
1: It's uh, really hard to make sense of it. I don't think we can in, even a, in a singular way um, that the situation is going to remain the same. How we feel about it is evolving. Our energy to maintain strict adherence to rules is going up and down. Um, and remember, making sense of it is a subjective, subjective process, not an objective process. We'd like to make it objective, wear a mask, stay at home. That sounds pretty objective. Um, but I see very intelligent, rule-following people break the rules, think they're not breaking the rules because of their subjective reasoning around it
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and, and balancing that um i've heard people talk about with respect to the elderly is the isolation going to kill them or is the virus going to kill them? Right. right or or i took all the precautions so therefore i can break the rules or i'm not breaking the rules because i took the precautions um i washed my hands i stayed at home it's one rule under a world is not going to So, I think that's part why we have such variability in this country. We've also had extreme variability. Maybe you've had it too in what to do, where yeah. some people, like the former president, had an opinion about the mask, um, and uh, pretty much promoted a difference of opinion than the medical people that were literally mm-hmm. around him. Yeah um this is an interesting time it's an interesting study in how our subjective judgment and reasoning and feelings about ourselves our families our autonomy our health comes out and you can see everyone's decision making process and flow Mm -hmm. um which is why any movie that if you watch most movies about the pandemic kind of predicted that you'd have all that variation Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and the rare time you have people agreeing with one another and that's not even uh, an um, absolute is when literally I got it and now I'm dying of it or so-and-so next to me died of it that's when I've seen people Mm -hmm. become a little bit more consistent with one another. Mm -hmm. And then when when those traumas kind of wane or when they've kind of forgotten about it for a second, they actually may go back to being as laissez-faire as they were before. Mm -hmm. I think
0: what's very interesting I find also is the difference in the different um, groups in society who who are more or less rule obedient? I felt um, my family was in this pandemic incredibly privileged in their way. No, nobody was losing or had any any issue about their jobs. They live in a house with a garden and a swimming pool. My parents, so you know, they had like not really any any sort of yeah. It was inconvenient. They couldn't fly to. On vacation to Morocco uh, or Israel, like oh wow, yeah. Um, But that was more or less it, right? It wasn't, and my dad had some fewer patients in his practice. Yeah, that was an issue, but it still, it wasn't, it wasn't this sort of um, huge impact on their freedom. And, and I think it's, it's something we can see now too, when people start to, to travel or, or, or do things, break, break or not break rules, but, but sort of get around the, the sort of very stringent um, lifestyle because they have the opportunity to travel because they're maybe white and do not stand out because because of their skin color, because their ethnicity. Like, yeah, it's easier to travel if you're white middle-class family than if you're Asian, for example. Um, My husband finds that very difficult to travel because of him being Asian. And something that I, for example, don't really think about, right? Because it doesn't impact me, that perception I don't have when I travel. And I think that's a in, very in, important and interesting aspect. And I think there are similar things going on in the US too, right? There's been all this hate towards ancient Americans and lately been very much in the media or um, as you mentioned also the racial inequalities that were raised throughout this year. And, and obviously the, the, the communities that were impacted the most in the US we're not the white people in out on on um, in, in the Hamptons, right? In, and and right. they want to go back to school earlier as other communities is also not so strange, right?
1: Yeah. So disproportionate effects. We've been impacted differently. Some of those, um, a lot of those differences, are related to race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, um, and pre-existing. Health conditions. So, um, and I can, uh, and yes, there's been a rise in anti Asian sentiment um, and attacks. Um, I mean, what a year for all these things to occur. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for those communities most impacted, you see a greater adherence to doing what it takes to be safe if right. if you actually have the ability and privilege to be able to take those actions. Mm. Um, and now as I, you know, I ponder that and think of what people are coming in for, for therapy and for coaching and for counseling, a lot of it is around trying to make sense of all of this. hmm and uh, there is no one answer, but the answers do come for each individual by taking stock of um, what that risk analysis for them, yeah, what um, what resources are available to them, and what um, future they'd like to um, reasonably create, given where we are right now,
0: right, and. Is it more is it any any like specific group you you think is de- is coming in more now, or is it is it similar to how it used to be before the pandemic?
1: Um, there are similarities, but I would say the, the quantity is higher. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot more access because we're all working through computers. So if people have access to a phone or a computer, um, they're making use of um, services a lot more and a lot more consistently yeah. than, than before.
0: Yeah.
1: And there's a, it feels like there's a good awareness or a greater awareness that talking and processing and working through and asking these sorts of questions and, um, and trying to have conversations about the future, conversations about how to make sense of it is part of how we deal with this. Because we didn't go to school for this we didn't we weren't brought up in a pandemic society Um, and unless we were like in Hong Kong or in places that have experienced these outbreaks we had no reference point for history
0: No. no exactly and I think that's also something that that really does make a lot of people really derailed from, from their reality because we were so, so free in, in our movement that we were probably never ever in, in history before and, and being taken away that's, that freedom, I think is also concerning for, for me personally, I feel like since I've been going to China four times a year at least and spend significant amount of time there, I felt way more um, sort of connected and understood the the situation from personal experience. And I thought that was also a very interesting part. And I will talk about that in a sec uh, during the pandemic, but just the sort of now, because I haven't been there for over a year, I feel I have very, Mm -hmm. very um, different understanding of what's happening. Like what is actually going on now? I'm so reliant on the on the media information I get from the West that I don't have that actual experience from being there and have making my own opinion of how it is when there. And I remember my mom; she was traveling when she was young around all Afghanistan and 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 places where you were like as a, as a single, like a woman by herself with a friend, a female mm-hmm. friend. And you're like, what, like, no, that's impossible. But she was saying like, no news are good news. And when you are at a place, it's usually much less scary than what you hear in the news. And I mm-hmm. think that's very true. And that's also why what was so interesting to be in Asia during the early times of the pandemic and in different um, countries, like, Hong Kong and um, Tokyo, uh, Japan. So to see also how different Asian countries dealt with the pandemic differently and how the reality was different in these places. And then, Mm -hmm. um, so I think that is also something very important to go back to traveling, to actually be able to, to connect with people and their experiences in different parts of the world, that they become less foreign and also, that people become less nationalistic again, hopefully.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, that's probably one of the biggest effects um, of the quarantine is our limited ability to connect, to travel, to be with one another, to see the truth of realities for ourselves not just relying upon it through other sources. Right. Um, I mean, I think humans inherently need to move and need to roam and need to travel.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: And I know know you're in in Europe that travel is far more well, you guys travel there between countries like we travel here between states.
0: Yeah, Um, usually. Usually.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So there is some shared like um, uh, experiences around traveling. But interesting, um, totally um, I, I stopped going, I have two offices, one actually 15, 20 minutes from my home, and one all the way in Manhattan. And I thought I hadn't gone to my Staten Island office, which is closer to me in a month or two, and I went back and, went through all the mail that was accumulated and I actually hadn't been back to my closest office since April of last year. It was a lot of mail (laughs) and I was thinking psychologically how did I overlook going to something so close? Um, I mean that office was closed and again we've been working remotely but I I can't imagine that for many of us there are things that we have literally stopped doing yeah for a year now and we don't even realize it so as we go back to the future go into the future and there's going to be a normal we're going to have to take stock of a lot of things that we you know haven't been doing for a while that we're out of shape for doing that we're unaccustomed to doing that were left by the wayside from, in this remote world. Yeah, A lot of adjustment and, ahead of us,
0: Right, and I, what I noticed with, with teenagers, um, young adults that I see as in therapy is, is also this sort of detachment from the real world into detachment. the sheer remote space only. And I think it's kind of scary to, to see that happening. It's obviously explainable because there's a, a more of a control in that world versus in the real world. We mm-hmm. can sort of escape the insane reality we're living in by being in that virtual reality, if you want to. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's also, concerning because it, it it shows how huge even more of an impact social media has made or become for for these young people of course we we can swipe through Instagram or and stuff like that but it's we haven't had that as our sort of best friend from the start whereas people who grew up with having, snapchat and instagram and all those apps as a and and tiktok as their best trend it's a well, whole other level right
1: yeah yeah it's. um
0: But maybe that's a topic for another podcast.
1: (laughs) That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yes, we we can definitely get together and talk some more and talk about what life is like as we prod ahead. You know, it's March, mid but it soon will be April. And it'll be the second beginning of a second year of doing this. And wow, Mm -hmm. there's a lot. There's a lot.
0: There's so much. And you know what I think is, is always so nice to talk to somebody like-minded like you um, is to sort of acknowledge the fact that it is crazy to live in this world right now. Whereas I find the government so often minimize the mental and psychological part of, of this Whole pandemic and they did so from the start, and I think it's still that so vastly underestimated what what it does with humankind.
1: Yeah, yeah, we do have to watch out, and I think you started to say the disconnect and dissociate. I think I dissociated from going to my office because I didn't have to; I could stay home. Um, but there were real Things I needed to take care of, looking up the mail. And um, again, as we move into the future, we've got to look out for one another and look out for ourselves to make sure we're not relying too much upon the technology, thinking that's going to cover all the connection we need right. and all the information we need. We're going to still need to travel and to connect on a very human level. Um, we just got to do so when it's safe to do so.
0: Right. That's a wonderful closure of today's episode. So thank you super much for taking your time and um, being live from New York part of the podcast again. So live from Zurich and live from New York, thank you all for listening and happy Sunday afternoon.